Hey everyone and welcome back to Pucks and Pages. My name is Steven. That is my lovely wife as always, Liberty. We're a married couple with different hobbies and we try to force each other into those hobbies by discussing the latest news in both books and sports. I thought you were going to let me fill in and go, and sports. I was like, yes! Obviously today is a sports episode. It's kind of short on notes, which is nice-ish, I guess, for you at least. It is very nice for me. Yeah. I appreciate it. Like, I found some things that you didn't find, because that's usually how our method denotes works. Like, it wasn't overwhelming this time, which is kind of strange. It's also a little weird because some teams are playing fewer games because of COVID, but not just because it's being canceled or rescheduled because people are on COVID protocols, but they're not having the audience attendance that they used to or that they want, especially in Canadian-based hockey teams. And so it's sort of just a really weird time. I'm waiting to see if the season gets extended. I'm waiting to see if anything gets canceled or if bubbles start to happen, what's going to happen. So we'll just have to see how all of that goes. Yeah, it's definitely been interesting. Obviously, the Canadian teams have been doing some adjustments and shuffling to the schedule. And matter of fact, we're pretty much starting off with that in the COVID news right off the bat for the NHL. Uh, The Winnipeg Jets announced this week that after surveying season ticket holders, that they will play the remaining home games at home rather than in Saskatchewan. Which Which was was an option for a little while because they had different restrictions, right? They had no restrictions. They were allowing them to have over 15,000 fans in the stadium, which is quite a bit more than what is actively allowed in Winnipeg, which is 250 fans until February 1st. That, That would feel really weird. Like, it would feel like one of those, like, super small hockey teams who's just got their parents in the audience or whatever. Like, that's how tiny this feels. That's kind of the comparison I was going to go with, but, like, even high school hockey teams in the northern portion of the United States still fill in more than 250 people. So it's like, I can't even compare it to, like, a high school game. It would be, like, just borderline above, like, middle school, maybe? Like, where it's not quite competitive yet. Or a high school hockey team here in Texas. Yes. Yeah. Probably not even that, to be completely honest. I'm just wondering if they're, like, rotating the season ticket holders, like... This group gets to go to this game, and this group gets to go to this game, but they can't all be sitting next to each other, so it'd have to be, like, people from this section and then the one all the way over here. So, like, it seemed mostly, like, people didn't want to have to travel beyond Winnipeg to go see the games. Right. So the season ticket holders were like, we'd rather just not have as many people in the stadium and... Not good to go to as many games. Right. Because, like, the idea, I think, for Winnipeg is we need to not piss off our faithful fans that are season ticket holders. And they, I think, did the right thing in this instance. I mean, the thing that we haven't considered that we need to consider is how many season ticket holders do the Winnipeg Jets even have? More than 250. (laughs) I mean, you gotta hope. But it just, I don't know. It's the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah. It's still a Canadian team, and it's hockey. I'm sorry. They sell out their arenas every single game, usually. It'll be very easy to sell out their arenas now, since there are only 250 people allowed, but still. And staying in Canada, the Montreal Canadiens have extended their pause of all team activities through Saturday, January 8th. As a COVID-19 preventative measure, the pause was announced on January 1st and went through Thursday before being extended. At the time, Montreal had 16 players in NHL COVID protocols. 
Yeah, they've been having a rough go of it, obviously. And, like, Toronto, as we were watching earlier this morning, has played two games since December. Right. So it's like, it seems like Canada's getting hit pretty hard. Let's be honest, we're being hit hard here in the States, too. We're just but no ignoring one cares. it. Yeah, we're ignoring it. Do whatever you want. It's like one of those things where, like, if you don't believe in it, it goes away. Like, that's the way we're treating it here, so. It's like Santa Claus. <laughs> Second you stop believing, it's gone. Yeah. We do have a decent number of player health issues or things this week in comparison to the amount of notes we have. So we'll try to run through those pretty quickly. First being Brandon Tanev is going to be out for the rest of the season for the Seattle Kraken with an ACL injury. He was injured in the game against the Edmonton Oilers on December 18th and had surgery on December 30th. But his timeline for return has him ready for the start of next season. It's just, it's probably going to take that long. So, like, we've talked about this injury before last week for just, like, very microcosm amount. But we didn't know it was going to be season ending yet. Right, right. So, that's kind of the update to the Brandon Tandem situation. Well, especially considering, I think it's safe to assume that the Seattle Kraken are not going to make it into postseason games and activities. It's just... Which is hard to say only halfway through the season, but the reality is they're playing pretty mediocre, so... Well, and Brandon Tanov was, like, third in goal scoring, and it wasn't even with a high number. I think he had nine goals for the season. Right. So, when your third best goal scorer has single-digit goals halfway through the season, you know there's a problem. Yeah, unless your goalie's standing absolutely on his head to keep you in, like, one-goal games, the reality is they're not, so... Continuing with Seattle Kraken's bad news, Jaden Schwartz is expected to be out four to six weeks for the team due to a hand injury. It's said that he needs surgery before he can return to the team, but specifics really weren't listed in the article that I read, so I don't know exactly what's wrong or what kind of surgery it's going to be. Cam Talbot is out indefinitely for the Minnesota Wild due to a lower body injury. He didn't return for the third period of the 22 Winter Classic game on Saturday, January 1st, so I assume it happened in the second. I didn't see the injury, um, but still, Cam Talbot's kind of a trooper. If he didn't come back, there's probably a reason. Right, right. Uh, And then going on to kind of an ugly injury, uh, I I did watch the video on this, and it... Puck to the face. Dougie Hamilton is out for the New Jersey Devils thanks to a broken jaw. There's currently no timeline for his return, but he had surgery on Wednesday, January 5th. He went to the hospital after getting hit with a deflected puck in the first period of the game against the Washington Capitals on Sunday, January 2nd. Another guy who doesn't miss games unless he absolutely has to, so... He's probably going to end up coming back with a cage yeah, just to be safe, but like... This isn't an unheard of injury, but when it happens, everyone flinches. Like, that just, that sounds so bad. Anytime a puck hits a player anywhere above, like, the shoulder area, I get really concerned. Right, right. Like, it's... And, like, sometimes you get the funny ones where, like, it ends up in his helmet, like, in between the visor and the guy's eye. Yeah. And, like, that's funny, but at least they're not injured and, you know, we can laugh those off. But the ones that are, like, high velocity gonna break something like everybody flinches yeah redirected slap shot to the face yes good times and then jay beagle will be out indefinitely for the arizona coyotes after having core muscle surgery he hasn't played since december 11th so he'll probably be out for a little while i would imagine right it's not very often that ab based core muscles are usually going to be the quickest repair in the world 
And the last injury is that Minnesota Wild forward Kirill Kaprizov has sustained an upper body injury on Thursday, January 6th in the game against the Boston Bruins when he was hit along the boards by Trent Frederick. And that's kind of a tough loss for Minnesota. He's kind of been their guy over the last two seasons for very obvious reasons. He just scores a lot of goals. Right. Yeah. And then there was one, I would say, trade. I almost said big trade, but it's definitely not a big trade by any means. One of the very few trades. Because at this point, no one wants to go anywhere right now with everything going on in the world. I don't think that's the reason, but I understand your perspective. I wouldn't want to have to move my family in the middle of another wave of COVID. I can understand that. So we actively had a trade between our two teams, the Penguins and the Blackhawks. Both bottom six guys, realistically. The Blackhawks have traded Alex Nylander to the Penguins for Sam Lafferty. It's a player-for-player trade, contract-for-contract. There was no monies, shifting hands. It was just a straight trade. So I don't know that either team really came out better in this. I feel like it was pretty much a wash. Like, Lafferty is a year younger than Nylander is, so, like, that's really the difference. They're roughly the same body type. They play the same style game. Like, pretty even trade. Right. But knowing your Penguins is luck, you'll turn out with something really well, and Lafferty will probably end up in the minor leagues because that's usually what happens with players that we trade to you guys. What I'm hearing is that players who make it into your organization just flop because your organization doesn't know how to foster and develop players. I would say you're completely wrong with that because my team is literally all people that have come from our minor league organization now. So we fostered people very well. At the current moment, the only reason we're relevant is because we had a good minor league system. So we'll see how long it lasts. In years past, I would agree with you over like maybe the last four or five years. We've had a rough go at the minor league level, but right now we seem to be turning it over pretty good. Florida Panthers forward Sam Bennett has been suspended for three games without pay for an illegal check to the head of Montreal Canadiens forward Cedric Paquette. During the game in Florida on Saturday, January 1st, Bennett is considered a repeat offender under the terms of the CBA and, based on his annual salary, will forfeit $161,890.23. I don't know how much he gets paid, but that's a lot. Quite a bit more than 161000 but the idea is that's still a large sum compared to like the 5000 or $8,000 fines they normally hand out, but that has everything to do with him being a repeat offender, so I'm not shocked. The Maple Leafs have placed Nick Ritchie on waivers. Actively this season, he has one goal and only seven assists in 30 games. Those are his career lows through similar starts to this season, so it's not been a good look for him this year. Well, the team's doing well this year, and so it's like... Just You're cut, not really helping. Cut cut the fat off or yeah. the dead weight. Uh, nobody claimed him off waivers, so he made it through waivers. So he's just in the minor league now. His contract's been dumped. Mm. So more cap space. More cap space. Also, talking about waivers, Evander Kane was placed on unconditional waivers by the San Jose Sharks on Saturday, January 8th, with the intention of terminating his contract. The team said that they informed Kane that he was being released, quote, for breach of his NHL standard player contract and for violating the AHL COVID protocols. Kane has not played for the Sharks this season after being suspended by the league for 21 games in October for violating NHL COVID protocols. After he completed his suspension, Sharks assistant GM Joe Will said the best option for Kane to continue playing was to send him down to the AHL. So this one's getting ugly. Felt like it was already ugly. Oh, it's getting uglier because the NHLPA is now 
bringing together a lawsuit against the NHL related to Evander Kane being waived illegally is what they're claiming at this point. What was illegal about it? Something related to his contract, I guess. So the PA doesn't get involved with things unless there's facts, usually speaking, to support a player like Evander Kane. So I'm kind of wondering what's in his contract that is keeping him from being waived, supposedly. So it's going to get dragged out for probably a couple more weeks. We'll see what ends up actually happening. And obviously we'll keep you guys in the loop on that. But as it sits right now, it's kind of a really weird place. I wasn't sure if you added that to your notes or not, but it came out like last night, so probably not. Yeah. And I know you want to talk about this one because this is a, like a good story. Well, I mean, there's so much bad going on in the world. We might as well talk about something nice for once. Yeah. In what has to be the most lighthearted story of the season so far, Nadia Popovici. I don't know. Had a quick interaction with Vancouver Canucks equipment manager Brian Hamilton in October to tell him about an abnormal mole he had. Like, she saw it and was pounding on the glass and, like, held up her phone with a note telling him it's weird and he needs to get it checked out by a doctor. And it turned out that it was cancerous and that he got it biopsied a few days after the game. And so in order to thank her, both the Seattle Kraken, who is the team that she's a fan of, and the Canucks, who is the team that he's the equipment manager for, have teamed up to give her a $10,000 scholarship towards medical school, which she plans on attending this year. I thought this was pretty great. I think $10,000 between two multi-hundred million dollar organizations probably could have figured out a little more money for her than that. But at the same time, it's kind of neat. I'm assuming she got some money from the networks that she did interviews for. Yeah. So I'm hoping that also will help her with her medical school bills. Well, on top of that, the Kraken gave her tickets to another game and so did Vancouver. And so like, it's not like she came out with just 10K and was like, okay, cool. Bye guys. Yeah. But apparently they also met after the game that uh, she was honored at. And like, they were both seen hugging each other and crying and like, it makes me emotional. And he was talking about how he doesn't know how she even saw it because it was on his neck, I think. And he wore a jacket at that game. And also he had his like earpiece in and all the wires and stuff hanging off of it. And he's like, I don't know how she saw that. She paid attention. To the equipment manager. I guess. But that pretty much wraps up NHL news, which like feels really light and short. But in fairness, there are a lot of teams still not playing. So that has something to do with it. But moving on to the NFL, COVID news obviously is the way we start with everything. The NFL announced it is considering a new venue for the Super Bowl as a contingency plan in case California decides to put attendance restrictions on indoor sporting events, which they are considering right now. So Um, it's supposed to be who is whom is uh, doing it? So the game is supposed to be hosted in the new Rams Stadium in SoFi, which is an indoor venue. Oh, okay. The state of California actively, its legislation groups are deciding on whether or not they're going to allow indoor events to have full capacity attendance because they're about the only state that actually tries to care, I guess, other than like New York. So in turn, the NFL started looking at prospective secondary solutions, one of them including here in Arlington and Dallas because in Texas we don't care, it seems. so. Well, you have the right to kill yourself and other people apparently. Yeah. There were only a couple of injuries from the NFL this week. Dallas Cowboys wide receiver Michael Gallup will be out for the season or whatever's left of it after suffering a torn ACL. 
He suffered the injury in the first half of the game against the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday, January 2nd. Well, there was only one game left. They played last night. They won drastically over the Eagles in Philadelphia. They didn't even need this guy. They really didn't. Like, he's a great wide receiver. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, it's like there's so many weapons on the Dallas offense right now. It's kind of hard to compete against. And they've already made it into the playoffs, right? So, like, who knows how many games he'll miss out of that. Probably all of them, no matter how long it goes. I was going to say, a torn ACL usually isn't something that just recovers overnight by any means. Right. And this is one that I'm shocked it didn't happen sooner, because, like, we've talked about Baker a couple times due to his injuries and his performances. But Cleveland Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield has been ruled out for Week 18 in order to have shoulder surgery as soon as possible. There is no current timetable for his recovery. The torn left labrum has been bothering him for a majority of the season. He suffered the injury in Week 2 and re-injured it in Week 6. I don't think it ever fully recovered after Week 2. He only sat out two games. So, like... Maybe you should stop being one of those guys, let yourself fully heal up, and then you can have most of the season. Well, what a lot of pundits are saying is, based on the injury and the recovery time for the surgery, he would have been back if he had left in week two to get the surgery by, like, week ten. So it's like, you would have still played the back half of the season. Like, And if your team played as well as they did during the season without you on the two games they played... Who knows? You guys might have had a shot at the playoffs, but instead you're out. So, But moving on to signings because there were no trades because we're past the deadline. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers and defensive tackle Vita Vea have agreed to a four-year contract extension worth $73 million. $42 million of that is guaranteed. Why? Why not? He's one of the best defensive tackles in the game. Because you're giving him most of his pay no matter what. That just seems like a mistake. It seems like an NFL contract. Yeah. And no mistake. Also, left tackle Charles Leno and the Washington football team have agreed to a three-year, $37.5 million contract extension. Every time I see him sign a contract for anybody but the Bears, it hurts my soul just a little bit. You're the one that got rid of him. Well, we didn't re-sign him. His contract was over. getting rid of him. Is it not? I guess. You You don't sign him, so there he goes. Yeah. But speaking of the playoffs, obviously we have a couple more playoff spots secured. Last week we only had like three teams to talk about this week. We're a lot closer to that after all the games from last Sunday. So actively in the playoff spots, we have the Bills and the Patriots. The Chiefs, Bengals, and Titans have all clinched their divisions. Um, So there's still one up for grabs in the AFC, for division-wise, that is. The NFC, actively right now, the Cowboys, Packers, and Buccaneers have all clinched their division. The Packers have also clinched the number one seed through the playoffs, which means they have home field advantage all the way to the Super Bowl. Um, That's weird. So... As long as they don't lose, obviously, in like the second round because they don't have to play the first week because of a bye, they should have home home field advantage. Then we have the Eagles, Rams, and Cardinals who also all clinched a spot in the playoffs this week. So so how many from each of the AFC and NFC? I believe the total number is eight. From each? Correct. So 16? Correct. That's what the NHL does too. So no one gets a bye week because what the hell? Yeah, so it's just one week. It's where the wild card teams play to try to get into the divisional round. So the reality is it's just one week of time off. That's which, what a bye week is. Which can be very helpful for a team, like if they're coming back and they have players from injury and they played so well during the rest of the season, that it can be helpful. Or it can be detrimental if you're like on a roll and then right. you take You'd a week off. you have to cool off for a week. Yeah, so it's good and bad. It just kind of depends on 
the team. How far away are we from the playoffs starting? Next week. Okay. This is the last week of regular season. We'll be talking playoff football next week. Mm. Here we go. And in other fun news, the Washington football team announced they will be announcing their new team name on February 2nd, 2022. So they made an announcement before the announcement. We're going to tell you something at this date. The better one is they made an announcement for an announcement. So kind of the same thing, I guess, but still announcing and announcing. It's just weird to do, but like I understand that it's just press. They're just trying to build up an audience for that announcement, press conference, whatever. It's stupid. There's a lot of people that are rooting for one of the top five team names, the Red Hogs, which is one of the options. And just for like humor's sake, I hope that's who they pick, but I know they won't. What are the other options? I don't know them all, but the Red Hogs one is the one that's getting popularity on the internet from the top five that were chosen, I guess. So fingers crossed, please, Red Hogs. The Washington Red Hogs. I would love it. That just makes me think of the... Razorbacks from Arkansas? Yeah. Yeah. Me too, but it would be pretty great. In... Bad news, the Las Vegas Raiders cornerback, Nate Hobbs, was arrested this past week on misdemeanor DUI charges. Police officers found him asleep inside of his vehicle, which was parked on the exit ramp of a parking garage in Las Vegas at 4.09 a.m. He then failed a field sobriety test. I'm sorry, the sobriety test was getting out of this garage. Here's the thing. At least he didn't make it to the road. Yes. <laughs> like. A solid uh, point. You know, maybe he just realized he was really tired and drunk and was like, well, I'm not safe to drive and just parked. <laughs> well, the fact is he's impeding traffic. If anyone were to try to leave. They would be stuck behind him. I get it. And on top of that, there are some states where if you're just in the car, seatbelt on, keys in the ignition, but not started. That's a driving under the influence charge. Right. You don't have to have the car started. Right. Either way, I'm just glad he didn't make it to the road like his peer did and uh, killed a woman and his child. So I completely agree. I just can't imagine what the officer was thinking when he rolled up to that. Like, what the (laughs) hell? I want to see an episode of Cops with that on there. Just be like, yes, we're responding to a sleeping athlete inside of their vehicle parked in the exit ramp of a parking garage. Like, greatest story ever. But talking about television worthy, I suppose. The like, literally the only news that was discussed this week, guaranteed on every sports thing that right. existed this week. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have announced on Thursday, January 6th, that they have released wide receiver Antonio Brown. Brown cleared waivers on Friday, January 7th to become a free agent. All of this stemming from what happened at the last game that they played as of our recording. It's it's so messy because, like, A, I think everybody has a little bit of a biased opinion about Antonio Brown. They either love him or they hate him, and that's it. Like, there's no in-between. Literally, the only way I knew him is helmet guy. Like, that's the only thing I could think of. Like, who's that guy? Oh, he's helmet guy. Now I know who you're talking about. He's the guy that has just literally crapped all over his career. I hope not literally. That's gross. Like, it's to that point where it's just like, dude, you are destroying your image. Right. And you continue to do it. And, like, there's a lot of information out there that he has mental health issues and he just doesn't seek the right help to take care of it based on what's coming out now. And then he's claiming he had an injury and, like... 
To clarify for anyone who doesn't know, he was playing in the game and then suddenly decided to run off the field, strip off top half of his uniform and clothing and whatever, and like running around and trying to hype up the crowd for some reason and then just left. Yeah, so breaking down now that we have more information as to what actually happened, Bruce Arians tried to put him into a play three to four times uh, for an offensive package that he is a part of. Okay. And he was claiming that he was injured. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers health staff was telling him how. Like, they were saying he was fine uh-huh. and he could play. Like, I get it. You know your own body better than somebody that's just looking at you from the outside. But that's also so the opposite of how athletes are. Because they're like, I don't care if I'm injured. I'm going to play. And this guy's like, I'm injured. And everyone's like, no, play. Yeah. That's weird. And so, like, he's basically in this pickle where, like, he wants to take care of himself is the way it's coming across now. I mean, that's what he's saying. He still hasn't released any information from, like, seeing a doctor after all this crap has gone on to prove that he's he's injured. Because he's lying. Right. And so, like, it's in this pickle where it's like, if you love him, you're on his side. If you don't, you're on the Buccaneers' side. And everybody that's in between is just like, what the hell is going on? Because it's just crazy. And so Bruce Arians, at one point, while he was ignoring the multiple plays he was supposed to be in on, basically told him... You're done for the day. Go sit down. Yeah. And he took it as, I'm cut. And so he just threw his sissy fit, like little hissy fit on the field, and then left. And here's the thing. It's like, just, ugh. I want to make my opinions based off of what happened, not what other people said agitated this or somehow was the catalyst for this because, like, people lie. That's just human nature. People will lie to get out of certain things. So I'd rather just go off of what happened. And what happened was he was told to go into the game. He decided instead of doing that, I'm going to strip off my clothes, run around the stadium and leave. That's not professional. No matter what's going on or what's causing this, it's unprofessional to do that. If you had to leave for some reason, that is not how you leave a football game. Right. The reality of it is everybody would be on his side if what he had done was just walked around the outside of the field and left the field because he was just fed up with being told to go on the field and he was hurt. That would have made sense. Right. But there's nothing that I saw from all of that that makes me think, oh, he was injured and he just didn't want to go in and make it worse. Everything I saw was a guy throwing a fit and behaving unprofessionally. Well, And he was like hopping around. So it's like how... How hurt were you if you're ju- jumping around and throwing your clothes into the freaking stands and then, like... Well, and, like, he could argue that it was, like, his arm or whatever, except for the fact that he was also waving his arms in the air and trying to hype people up. He, it was a leg injury is what he's claiming, like an ankle thing. Then, like, that makes no sense yeah. because you were running around jumping up and down, and that's not something you do, I would assume, if you have a serious leg injury. Yeah. I don't think he thinks it was, like, Serious, serious, but at the same time, he got, he's saying it was causing him pain. If it was serious enough not to go in, yeah, you wouldn't be behaving like this. Yeah. Either way, it's just a disgusting look. It's just another, I don't know, just dark mark on his career. Yeah. Like, and like the memes that have come out make jokes about how the Pittsburgh Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin put up with him for nine years is just a miracle. Right. And at this point, I agree. Like, it's just like this dude has gone off the deep end. And well, like, 
as my grandmother would say, he just got too big for his britches. Yeah. And like even Tom Brady in the post game was like, you guys don't understand what he's going through. Like he's trying to play defensive for him. And then Antonio Brown comes out and goes, yeah, the only reason he's standing up for me is because he knows he needs me for the championship. And I'm like, that's oh. not, I'm like, that's not at all true. You have so few people on your side. You really can't afford to alienate one of them. Right. Like, don't get me wrong. You are the number one receiver for the Bucks this season and you missed five games due to being a lunatic again. But like the reality of it is the Bucks were still going to make the playoffs with or without you, dude. Right. Like, and Tom Brady in the playoffs, I'm betting on him. That is the horse to bet on every time. Yeah, even I, if I don't like him as a person. Like, the amount of no-name players that Tom Brady made careers for in New England. Like, some of these guys, you're like, who is that that he just threw to? Oh, my God. Like, that guy deserves a big contract now. And that's just the way he is. Like, Tom Brady makes people look good. So, it's like... Maybe he inflated your abilities, bud. Like, I don't know. It's just, I don't get the idea of attacking the person that's defending you. Right, no. It just seems like a stupid, stupid thing to do. It's a bad choice. Yeah. Just like everything else he does. Clearly. Moving into different bad news, maybe? Uh, We're going to talk about what's left to talk about of the MLB. Yeah, there's legitimately two things to discuss. One of them is close to my heart growing up in San Diego watching this guy play. So if you'll let me field that one, I'd appreciate it. Uh, Longtime Major League outfielder Cameron Mabin announced his retirement this week. The 34-year-old appeared in 15 Major League seasons with 10 different clubs. Spent the majority of the time with the Padres and the Marlins. I grew up watching him play for the Padres for a number of years, and he was always a really good player. Like, And it's sad at the age of 34 that you deem it time to retire, but after playing for 10 teams in 15 years, it's kind of a lot. Yeah, yeah. I think he spent four years each with those two clubs. And then just bounced. And, and then seven years with eight other clubs. Like, that's a lot. I'd be ready to retire, too. Definitely can agree with that, to say the least, but... It's sad to see his career end at 34 because, like, I feel like when he was younger, you definitely thought he was going to be one of those guys that played into, like, his late 30s at least. Yeah. Also, some weird news. Tops has been knocked out of the baseball card game by Fanatics. Tops announced that it has sold its sports card business to Fanatics, which is a multi-billion dollar company that's been around for a decade. They have a monopoly on everything sports here in the United right States. Now, yeah. It's stupid. And... Fanatics spent $500 million, according to someone close to the situation. That last part tells you that this was leaked information. They're yeah. not citing the source. that This was leaked. Yeah. And no one was supposed to talk about the financial terms of this deal. So that's a whole thing. But Tops were the ones who I believe originally did like gum and baseball cards together. And like that became a whole thing for America. Yeah. And so it's really sad to see that disappear. But part of this was facilitated by the fact that Major League Baseball had decided to stop giving them the rights to do this. Yeah. And so like what are they supposed to do at that point? Yeah, like if you're smart right now, you go out and buy like the collector boxes of tops for this year and then just hold on to them for a couple unopened. decades unopened. Unopened. And I guarantee, I guarantee you'll you'll come out on top on that investment at this point because yeah, I didn't even mean to make the joke. It just kind of was there. Uh, but the reality is like I remember going to like Target or to like Toys R Us 
and like having just a few bucks to my name and being like, I can get a little collector pack of tops cards. Like, yeah. That was what you went out to get. So like, I don't know. It was them and upper deck were like the two big baseball ones. So I also don't like the fact that of all people it was sold to was fanatics. I hate fanatics. They're getting a monopoly on sports in America. And so like you had to have seen it coming kind of thing. Yeah. It's just crazy that, like, these major league organizations couldn't figure out how to run an operational business. And Fanatics is like, we know how. Mm. And they've just slowly been like, next, next, next. And it's like, all they have is a warehouse system, guys. Like, and a cheap supplier to build these things. Like, that's all they're doing. And it's just heartbreaking to see them eat everything up. Because they're practically a monopoly. Let's call it what they are. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. But then moving on to the NBA, because that's literally all the MLB news we have. Well, quickly, also, as far as the lockout goes, we're coming to the very obvious realization that probably not going to have spring training and everything start on time, because while it sounds like the Players Association is trying to move forward with talks about the financial issues that are causing this lockout, the Major League Baseball owners are basically just stonewalling them and not moving. Half the time, they're not even responding. <laughs> and so at this point, it seems like the ball's in their court because the Players Association went, you have to give us something, and we're just going to wait till it happens. So it's sort of at a stalemate. No one's really doing anything to make any sort of progress. We're just going to have to wait and see. Yeah, after two straight months of the players trying to legitimately deal with the concerns that are causing the lockout, the owners are like, well, let's talk about this over here instead of the thing that actually matters. And it's just like... I could understand that happening in December when they had that actual physical meeting. I want to say it's like the 16th. And they discussed minor issues because that's opening the negotiation and, you know, settling things that aren't that big and being able to sort of get their feet under them in how this negotiation is going to work. Yeah. But then you have to talk about the serious stuff. Yeah. And no one's willing to do anything. Right. At this point. And so all of the talking about the smaller things that sort of were there to be icebreakers and to warm up the talks just don't matter anymore. Yeah. And at this point, like the, the players are coming up with offers and then showing how the owners are going to make more money from the thing. And the owners are like, cool story, bro. And just not even responding. And that's insane. Like, I'm wondering what the owners get out of delaying the season and not pushing the talks forward and like what's the positive for them out of all of that i think they're just trying to keep the players between a rock and a hard place and then force them to make a decision but at the same time like the players are what make your league exist without them there's not much that happens so i just i don't i don't get it and it's just crazy because, like, your assets and investments on players that are injured can't even use team-related facilities to, like, recover. So they're getting, more than likely, second-rate treatment. And, or you mean normal people treatment. Right. They're, you know, recovery systems that they would normally have access to, like specialized doctors and things. If they're willing to pay for it themselves, they still have access to it, but otherwise they don't. And I just don't get the risk of the investment. I just, I don't understand it. Like, if the players are asking for too much, have a freaking conversation with them about it. Don't just sit there and shut down and build a wall in between the two of you. Because, like, that's only going to make things worse. 
we'll just have to do like everyone else is doing and wait and see. And obviously we'll keep you updated if anything changes, but as it sits right now, it doesn't look like anything's going to be happening for quite some time. So yay MLB. But moving on to the NBA, another league that COVID is absolutely tearing apart. Go figure. Uh, the NBA announced this week that 70% of its players have received the booster shot. There have been 314 players placed into health and safety protocols due to COVID-19 this season. 305 of those have been since the beginning of just December. That's not a good sign. So, yeah. Like, when I saw 314, I'm like, oh, that's not that bad. The season's been going on since, like, September, October. No, 305 of them have been literally from just the last Five, month. Five, six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's insanity. So, good luck, NBA. Figure it out, I guess. Clearly not getting there yet but on the positive covid side of things there has been an update to the health and safety protocols after a 30-day mask order from the salt lake county health department has been issued and so in salt lake there is an order that requires well-fitting face coverings when indoors in public and so teams will be enforcing the mandate as well as maintaining the policy which requires a proof of full vaccination or a negative COVID test within 72 hours of the events. Well, they already get tested more often than that, as it were, anyways, in the NBA. But the vaccination thing is going to be interesting because that, again, bars people like Kyrie Irving from playing in certain cities. Well, this is for people attending events. Oh, okay. Yeah. I assume it also means people playing because it's citywide. Yeah, I don't know that the NBA's restrictions would be effective to that or not. I don't know. We'd have to see, I guess. It's it's like a finger-pointing thing again. I feel like it's not quite as intense as it is in Canada where they're like, this many people, and these are the rules. Or like in New York where Kyrie just can't even enter the building because he's not vaccinated, which is interesting. Either way, it's a good thing for the fans. keeps them protected, and I don't think that's a bad thing. We'll see how much they actually enforce it because, as we know, the NHL had a mask mandate, and the games we went to, most people weren't wearing masks. Yeah. So, moving on to player injuries. Uh, Chicago Bulls' Javante Green will be out two to four weeks after sustaining a groin injury. They were still doing imaging. This happened literally just a couple days ago. So, they're trying to figure out how severe the injury is at this point, but they're estimating at least two to four weeks at a minimum. So, yeah, we'll see. Cleveland Cavaliers guard forward Isaac Okoro will be out for approximately two to three weeks after being diagnosed with a left elbow sprain. He was injured during the game on Sunday against the Pacers. And then Larry Nance Jr.'s injury to his right knee isn't as bad as expected. An MRI showed that there was no significant damage and he will be reevaluated in one week's time. So I guess that works out well for them. Yeah. And then we move on to other news and... We have like a mix of players behaving badly and other news things. Right. Starting off, the NBA has fined Julius Randle $25,000 for using profane language during media availabilities. He was asked what he meant when he put the thumbs down to the fans. And he basically was telling them to shut up. Right. Obviously with profanities involved. And he said the F-bomb in the middle of his press conference because somebody asked him what he meant by that. I don't know if it was like a slip of the brain or he was just upset. But like it was I mean, I have a hard time not cussing in my day to day life, so I really could understand that. I, I get that one. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like you know the rules here, so like don't. Yeah. It's an expensive use of the swear jar. That's a lot of quarters to put in the swear jar. Yeah. 
Also, the NBA All-Star Weekend will be held on February 18th up until February 20th in Cleveland, Ohio. The NBA has a page on their website which will outline these specific events as they are announced. Right now, it just said this is the date. So the page will update as things get announced. I think they're actively just trying to make sure everything can be COVID safe for the event before they commit to it 100%, which, again, I don't blame them for doing because... We're in the middle of a pandemic. Go figure. The Houston Rockets suspended guard Kevin Porter Jr. and forward Christian Wood for conduct detrimental to the team. Both had meltdowns in the game on Saturday, January 1st. I really wish I saw the video of this. but I like, mean, it. one of them was too aggressive to the other one during the play, and then the other one got up from the floor and just started fighting this other guy. And so they were throwing temper tantrums on the court. When they're on the same team, that's a good look. Hmm. The Sacramento Kings organization has been fined $50,000 for violating league rules prohibiting team owners and executives from interacting with the scorers, table personnel during gameplay. Assistant GM Wes Wilcox was also fined $15,000. During the game on January 2nd, Wilcox left his seat to confront operations personnel at the scorer's table about their handling of a clock procedure during a jump ball. You, plus the fine for your team, made that a $65,000 problem just because you wanted them to fix the clock? Right. Like, man, that's, that's an expensive clock correction. To say the least. Like, you could have called a timeout and then gone over and had the conversation with them, which would have made way more sense. I mean, if you call a timeout, are you allowed to go to the scorer's table at that point? I and don't know. Don't know the rules to that, but the reality is it would help fix the clock. Or it sounded like he wouldn't have been allowed during the whole game. Or it would have given the team, or I'm sorry, the NBA the chance to look at it and realize that they did set it wrong. Because I feel like what he would have needed to do is call a timeout, talk to the ref, and then the ref could figure it out. Yeah. But either way, there's a way around getting fined $65,000 between you and your team. Right. And then Portland Trailblazers center Yusuf Nurkic and Miami Heat guard Tyler Hero have each been fined $25,000 for their roles in an on-court altercation. I think this was the one where they someone fell down and the other one got okay. into a fight. I think I mixed that one up with the meltdowns. I was going to say, Tyler Hero's, like, he's competitive, but I don't think I've ever seen him get into a fight before. So, like, that's weird, like, to me at least a little bit strange. Um, I don't know Nurkic well enough to speak to his background, but Tyler Hero I do, and so it's just kind of a shock. But moving into the world of MLS, for once, I have MLS news. Only because it's not really MLS news. It is Bundesliga news. It's kind of both, but... I'm excited to call it MLS news. Ricardo Pepe of FC Dallas was signed to a $20 million deal to play with FC Augsburg of the Bundesliga. This transfer fee of the $20 million is the highest for a homegrown MLS player in the history of the MLS. He was signed to an unknown dollar amount until the year 2026. So really, Pepe's deal is until 2026 and you don't know the dollar amount, but FC Dallas is getting $20 million of his money because he's being transferred. Correct. Cha-ching for FC Dallas. Hopefully they can hire some better players this year and they won't be in dead last place. So we'll see how that works out. There were also a few signings because it is postseason at this point. The Colorado Rapids have signed midfielder Max Alves da Silva from Brazilian side Flamingo. 
The 20-year-old will join the Rapids through the 25 season with an option for 2026. They also re-signed fullback Steven Betishore. He rejoins the team through the 22 season with an option for 23. And the last signing is that LA Galaxy have signed free agent midfielder Raheem Edwards to a three-year contract through the 24 MLS season with an option for 2025. I recognize that name. He probably played somewhere more important than the MLS at some point in his career, so the name is familiar to me. In the world of international soccer, not a whole lot's going on. You have the FA Cup. Yesterday there were some big upsets, entertaining to say the least, and not so entertaining if you're on the receiving end like my team was. But the regular Premier League season hasn't rebooted back up from the Christmas break at this point, so as it sits right now, we're kind of in the same standings. Uh, Manchester City 1, Chelsea 2, Liverpool 3, Arsenal 4, West Ham 5, Newcastle United in 19th place, and Manchester United in 7th. So it's exactly where we talked about it last week because, again, they're on winter break. The Bundesliga, on the other hand, did start back up this week. Bayern Munich took their first defeat in eight games yesterday. You poor babies. We still actively have 43 points in first place. Dortmund is in second place with 37 points. You picked up your second win in the last five games. Definitely something that you kind of needed to do, yes. to say the least. Then you have Hoffenheim in third with 31. Freiburg in fourth with 30. Bayer Leverkusen in fifth place with 29 points. And that's pretty much the top five wrap-up there. So, fun times in the Bundesliga. I'm glad to have some kind of soccer back. It was rough to watch the highlights for the Bayern game because we're down nine of our 11 starters. So it's just like, it's it's hard to watch when you see a bunch of guys that don't normally play together on the pitch at the same time. It was kind of icky. Hopefully players will get their crap together and stop getting COVID and come back and play. And we'll continue to I win. I mean, not if the rest of us don't. Right. But I think that pretty much wraps up the sports news. Short, sweet, to the point, which I appreciate. So I guess we will see you later in the week on Thursday for a book episode? That is how this works. Oh. Sometimes I forget because I want to. Yeah. That's how I feel about the sports. But I will tell you that we do get to talk about me finishing Cytonic, which is going to be dope. Yes. So you should definitely stay tuned for that. And make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss anything coming up in our read of Skyward series by Brandon Sanderson. Or our discussion of sports, apparently. <laughs> and we'll see you then, guys. Bye. Bye. She's so mad. Papa, how dare you put your hand in my face? Do you see the little lights going on the screen?